Today, my guest is Haven, who is the co-founder of Fish Welfare Initiative, which helps improve the conditions of fish on aquaculture farms. Hi, Haven. Welcome to my show. Hey, Vidan. It's great to be here. This is actually the first podcast I've ever been on, so I'm very excited and honored to be here with you today. Yeah, I'm sure you, I'm sure you'll be really good. Hope so. We'll see. So, Haven, I'm curious to know, what does Fish Welfare Initiative do? Well, Vedanth, broadly, as you said, we work to improve the way in which farmed fish are treated. Our current main project is in India, and that's in large part because India is the second largest producer of farmed fish in the world, only after China in terms of how many fish are grown in India. Specifically, in India, we work with three main groups to improve how fish are treated. We work with farmers, corporations, and the government. Our main program right now is working with farmers, where we have our Alliance for Responsible Aquaculture. We work with about 40 farmers here in Andhra Pradesh, India, to improve the ways in which they raise fish to make it better for the fish and also hopefully better for the farmer as well. We also do a lot of research, constantly testing how we can improve uh, the work we do and improve fish lives more. And we also have smaller projects in China, in the Philippines too, that we're getting off the ground to help fish there as well. Your main work is in India, right? Correct, yeah. And I'm here right now in India. I had no idea there were fish farms in India. So many fish farms, Vedant. I've come to Andhra Pradesh. You, if you throw a stone, you'll hit a fish farm. There's many, many fish farms. Yeah, I thought they're in places like Philippines and Indonesia. They're there as well. Um, both those countries are massive producers of farmed fish, but India, in fact, produces more farmed fish than even Philippines or Indonesia. Wow. What is wrong with the current ways of farming fish? Unfortunately, many things are wrong with the way that humans currently farm fish. I mean, you've spoken with Nikunj and your father's Jayasema and Mother Divius. You, you understand um, broadly the issues facing farmed animals, I think, very well. But we see the same sorts of issues with fish in a sense, in that the industries that farm them don't have much incentive um, to care intrinsically about their welfare. They, they mostly just care about how many fish they can produce and how cheap they can sell them. And there's no meaningful legal protections for these animals either. So, so there's no law stepping in to make sure that they are actually taken care of like the sentient beings that they are. Uh, this leads to industry making decisions and how to raise them just based on profit and not based on what is actually good for the animals. And specifically, this leads to all manner of problems for the fish. It leads to overcrowding where they, they just put way too many fish in the farm. Uh, you can imagine what this would be like for us if we were just stuck living in a very crowded room all of our lives and how miserable that would be. It leads to poor water quality, uh, where there's not enough oxygen or other parameters of the water are off, are, are not what the fish would want in their natural lives. Um, you can imagine for us if we didn't have enough oxygen throughout our lives, how miserable that would make us. And there's disease issues. And then fish are also killed often in the most horrific ways, probably more horrific than any other type of farmed animal, I would say, including uh, just by being left out in the air to suffocate. And like Vedant, if you can imagine what it would be like for us to, to be killed via drowning, but for fish, it takes not a couple minutes, but 20 minutes, even more than an hour sometimes for them to suffocate just by being left out in the air. Um, and this is all quite horrible. And these are the practices that we're 
working to change in various ways. How does Fish Welfare Initiative want to change the way that people farm fish? Like, is there a different method that you want to use? Correct. They're, we're trying to get them to change, to use different methods, methods that are, are better for the animals. Um, the two main improvements we're currently making right now here on the ground with farmers and with the one corporation we work with are firstly reducing crowding. So informing and educating the farmers about the benefits of stocking fewer fish in the farm, namely that there will be less disease, but then also the fish, if they're less crowded, they'll live better lives. And then the other improvement we make is improving water quality. For instance, via aerators or increasing water exchange rates or changing feeding practices, things that make the water uh, more close to what fish would naturally live in. How do you farm fish? Yeah, well, they, they have a bunch of different farming systems that they use to farm fish. The systems that they use most commonly here in India are pond farming systems where they have a hatchery and they breed the fish and they get a bunch of eggs. Um, they grow the eggs to a juvenile stage, either in the hatchery or in a juvenile pond, um, I believe usually in a juvenile pond. And then later they'll move the juvenile fish to the grow out pond where they, they have the fish just in a normal pond. You know, you, you couldn't even necessarily tell it was a fish farm just by looking at this, uh, but then the fish are, are fairly crowded. Oftentimes the water quality is not very great oftentimes, but this is how the fish spend their lives in this pond. And then there are other systems as well. Like uh, we talked about the Philippines earlier, fairly commonly there, they'll have sea cage systems or cages in, in a river, where as opposed to just letting the fish swim about uh, freely in a pond, they'll actually be in some sort of um, cage structure where the water can flow into the cage, but the fish cannot move out. That's really sad. I'm, if I was in a cage underwater, I would be really sad. Even above water, yeah. like on land, I would be very sad. Yeah, me too. How can you and me and other people in the world improve the welfare of farmed fish? Well, you can support organizations like Fish Welfare Initiative or the Aquatic Life Institute or Eurogroup for Animals, Compassion World Farming, different organizations that work on these issues. Um, we need people to work with us. Uh, we need people to donate. All of the work we do is powered by donations. Um, I encourage people if they consume fish, you know, many, many people eat fish, uh, to look at the ways that these fish were raised and killed, uh, look into if there was any sort of certification scheme, making the conditions better potentially, and whether you agree with the practices of that scheme or the farming practices that happened. Did this fish before it was killed live a good life or a bad life? I think it's important as consumers to really understand uh, the implications of your purchases on, on the, um, quote-unquote products that were raised um, to ultimately be bought by you. I also encourage people to read about fish. Uh, there's this book, What a Fish Knows, by an uh, author of the name of Jonathan Balcom. That really inspired us. It talked about the unique capabilities that fish have and how they may not be like humans in many ways, but they have all these crazy, exciting things about them. Uh, fish have social connections. They, they form sort of friendships with other fish. They can recognize other individuals. They have senses that humans do not. They can see colors that humans cannot for many species. Uh, this helped me to appreciate the sort of individuality of fish, even if it's not like us. And then I, I think people, uh, if they go and meet some fish in the wild, go, you know, not just in farms or in captivity, but go out, go snorkel, go scuba dive. I had this most amazing experience um, about a year ago. I had the privilege to go to Hawaii. 
And there I, I put on some uh, snorkel gear and got to swim out over the coral reefs and see all these colorful fish going about their daily lives and interacting with other individuals, getting food, uh, you know, completely ignoring me. But you, you could really appreciate the individuality of these animals in ways that I had not previously. And that made me more passionate about wanting to fight for them and make their lives better. Do fish feel pain? If they do, how do we know when they feel pain and when they're really happy? That's a really good question. Uh, yes, fish do feel pain. We've known this for the most part conclusively since 2003, when a researcher by the name of Lynn Snedden uh, had some of the first experimental evidence showing that fish do in fact feel pain. Uh, just like you and me, Vedanth, uh, maybe not in, in the same biological ways exactly, but just like you and me, fish feel pain and they don't like pain. They want to live lives without suffering, without pain and suffering. So as for how do we know when they're feeling pain and when they're feeling happy, it, it's tricky to know because uh, unlike you and me, they don't have facial expressions that are, are recognizable to us humans. Um, they're unlike us in many ways or evolutionarily on, on a very different line than humans are. Uh, so we have to do guesswork to figure out when they're feeling pain or when they're feeling happy. But there are situations um, that we would that we can be pretty confident that they do, they are feeling pain. Um, and it's sort of the situations we would expect. So for instance, if a fish is getting hooked, if they have a hook through their lip uh, and they're struggling a lot or they're trying to get back in the water because they've been taken out, you can imagine that they're feeling pain because this is, I mean, they have uh, pain receptors just like you and I do. Um, so their skin being punctured causes them pain. Um, but these are, you know, fish, they thrive in the water, not on air. So you would expect when they're taken out of their natural environment that they would feel some pain. Uh, you can see them uh, wiggling to try to escape uh, the air. Probably means they're suffering quite a lot. Conversely though, we can expect that fish are happy when they're living lives more like nature intended, more in, in a, a natural environment. Um, when they're not suffocating, not overcrowded, when they have clean, chemical-free water, uh, situations that are, are often unlike the farms that they're currently raised in today. So you and me, I like fish and fish are like us. In many ways, yes. And I think, uh, many ways, no, but in many ways, yes. And I, I think it's the areas of uh, similarity that are, are most important in that both humans like us, Vedanth, as well as fish, we feel pain. We don't like pain. We don't like suffering. And we all have an interest in living a good life free from suffering. And that's what we're working to do essentially for fish and for many other people, for all animals, make, you know, highlighting the similarities between humans and other animals, how all of us feel pain and all of us want to live good lives and helping expand people's minds and moral circles to take those lives into consideration. Why did you start Fish Welfare Initiative? Well, I hadn't uh, worked on this issue previously. In fact, I had studied philosophy and computer science, but I did care deeply about animals. Um, I always liked animals um, and I always wanted to do the right thing too. So for me, it was sort of this abstract philosophical project even where I was pretty open to trying to do good uh, in a variety of ways for the world. And, and then with that mindset, I undertook an entrepreneurship incubation program, charity entrepreneurship, uh, it's called, in London a few years back. And there, they, the people in this entrepreneurship program were recommending that someone start a charity to work to help farm fish. 
And even though I hadn't done anything on this issue previously, I was excited by the prospect of tackling a novel area. I saw that very few people uh, were doing work on fish at that point. Still, unfortunately, very few people are working to improve the lives of fish. And fish, like other farmed animals, are treated pretty horribly under current systems. So it felt like this is an area that's being neglected, that's quite important, and I could do a lot of good in. So with that, uh, we took it on, and it's been about three years since. Are you planning to expand in the future, like to other places? We are. So our we're expanding some in India right now. Uh, we're often hiring new people to grow our team, and we're adding new farmers. We're trying to add new corporations, trying to form new partnerships. Our big areas of expansion right now outside of India are the Philippines and China, where we're trying to work collaboratively with stakeholders on the ground in these countries. Uh, to better understand situations there and empower local people to make positive change for these animals. So probably looking to hire more people in these countries in the next year or two. But fish farming is, uh, it's, in, it's global. Um, there's Asia's the, the largest continent for farming fish, but billions of fish are also farmed in Europe, in South America, and North America. Um, so we will need a, a global coordinated effort to tackle these problems. And Certainly, our organization, Fish Welfare Initiative, can't do it alone, and we're always excited to see new people working on these issues in new areas. What can my listeners do to support FWI and help fish? If in India, your listeners can connect us with relevant people that we're looking to work with, so corporations, policymakers, and community leaders. And then, like I mentioned earlier, uh, they can donate or they can potentially work for us. Um, or share our job ads. We're always looking for talented people, especially in India, China, and the Philippines, who can join our work. Then, yeah, they should learn more about fish as well. Yeah, dear listeners, please donate to FWI and save fish around the globe. We put the link of FWI in the show notes. What did you want to be as a child? I wanted to be a lot of things. I think at first, the first thing I remember wanting to be was a scientist. I like science and I really like nature too. I spent a lot of my childhood uh, back in the U.S. in the state of Illinois. We had a forest behind our house and I would run around there, play in the creek, swing on vines a little bit. Um, It was super fun, a a really fun way to grow up. I remember catching frogs in the creek and this made me really like nature. It made me like science. I I remember once I understood what it was, I wanted to be a biologist because I like the study of life and animals. Uh, After that, there was a, a brief period in uh, middle school, I remember wanting to be a stunt person because I like like physical stuff like that. And in high school, uh, so in the U.S., between the ages of about 14 and 18, I really wanted to be a professional soccer player. And I would practice for um, a couple hours every day to try and get good enough at soccer where I could someday be a professional player. Um, that didn't work out for a couple of reasons, but I, I'm super happy to be here today. And I, I think it's all worked out uh, for me in terms of uh, having a great job right now that I really passion for and yeah you're also helping nature mm-hmm. yeah yeah i'm super fortunate to have this opportunity what are your hobbies well i really like to travel and that's another beautiful part of the work i do now um i'm often traveling to try to understand new fish farming systems and, and meet new relevant people um, i love meeting new people i'm hoping to come to singapore at some point for instance to, to meet all of you guys over there I like to read. I like to write. I still love soccer. I'm not playing it nearly enough right now. Uh, they, they play a lot of cricket here, but not as much soccer um, here in India, but I'm hoping to play more. And generally, I like adventure, uh, going camping, being in new situations, spontaneity, 
doing things I would never expect to do, but I find all that stuff very fun and rewarding. Yeah, camping looks really fun, but I've never had the chance to do it. Oh, you should totally go. It's super fun. You'll have to go someday. Yeah, in Singapore, we haven't seen that many camping grounds. Yeah, I wouldn't imagine with uh, how densely populated is there. There's a lot of camping, but maybe elsewhere you can go and find a good yeah. spot. Yeah, I would love to try it. Thank you so much for coming on my show. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you to all your listeners for caring about the issues of animal farming and especially fish farming too. These are very important. I'm excited to see more interest and attention and really tackling them and making the world a better place in this way. Yeah, and as we said, we put the link to your website in the notes. Wonderful. Thank you, Vedant. Yeah, thanks. This was fun. Yeah, it's been a good time. Take care. Dear listeners, follow my Facebook page, Curious Vedant, to get updates on my upcoming episodes. To listen to Kishu on your phone and get notified about future episodes, subscribe by searching for Curious Vedant wherever you get your podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can also listen to my show on CuriousVedant.com. Thank you for listening to Curious Vedant. And don't forget to rate and leave comments.